I'm Dr. Andre Pines and I'm the study doc. And if you are considering about changing to being a pre-med or if you have made the transition to being pre-med, but you're doing it late in the game, either late in your college career or you've had an alternate career and you're trying to go back, you need to listen to this. You need to watch this. Let's get into it, guys. All the things you need to think about as you change to pre-med late in the game. But stop making excuses. Stop whining. Stop, right? Get at it. No excuses. Just dominate. All right, guys, Dr. Andre Pines at the Study Doc here, and this is the Dominate Pre-Med Show. As always, my function, my role, is to bring you quality advice that you can action on, right? That you can take action, that you can get your future. This is all about getting you into medical school. I'm going to teach you how to effectively, efficiently, confidently pre-med so you can get into the med school of your dreams. And I'm here to answer your questions and give you, like I said, high-level answers to everything you want to know about getting into medical school. Today, I'm answering one of your questions. If you have a question that you have about pre-med and getting into medical school and you need an answer, send it to me. Get to my website, studenttransformation.com. Click on the tab that says leave Dr. Pines at a voicemail and you could be featured on this show. So today's question comes from Nadine. Thank you, Nadine, for submitting your question. Here's her question. Hello, Dr. Pineset. My name is Nadine. Uh, so a little bit about me. I'm in my fourth year studying bioengineering at UCSD. Uh, I realize engineering is not for me, and I would like to go down the uh, medical school route and becoming a physician. And so I'm, you know, I'm just really overwhelmed with all the information that's out there. I, you know, I know this is something that students plan out for once they, you know, the, the second they enter in college, and I'm doing this at the end of college. So doing it backwards, that's great. Um, and, you know, I just kind of, I feel so, I feel really behind, which I know I am. Uh, and the thing is that I went to community college and then I transferred to UCSD and some of the prereqs I need for med school overlap. Um, and so, you know, I'm a little bit worried about that. I still need to do OCHEM and BioCHEM, which I will complete in the winter, spring and summer quarters. Um, and so I just don't know. The best way to proceed you know i know that you're the best out there i discovered your videos over the summer and they're what got me through work honestly um and so i just you know any advice or guidance would be really appreciated i know you're really really busy and you know it's on me to figure this stuff out um but like you're the expert so if i could learn from the expert that would be great um so yeah thank you so so much uh, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. All righty. Thank you, Nadine, for sending me your question. This is a common question that I get because oftentimes people start out one path and then they start to get a little kind of upset, a little disenchanted with the path that they're on. And they look at medicine as an alternative, right? It seems like great. You can make an impact. You can become an expert in something. You can uh, be around people. It's science related. So people often go from nursing to being a physician or engineering or whatever it might be. And so people change and they worry that because so many other people knew they wanted to go to medical school much earlier, they have an advantage over them. And in some ways they do, right? For you guys, the earlier you decide, like people always say like, oh, once I'm pre-med, I'm gonna, the day you decide you want to go to medical school, that's the day you become a pre-med. That's the day you have to start living intentionally. You have to start 
making moves towards your med school and your doctor destiny. That's the day. So if you know early, of course you have an advantage. But for those of you guys who are switching into pre-med late, it doesn't mean that you can't overcome that disadvantage technically because there are some advantages to coming from an outside perspective from doing other things. So let's break it down. In this case, Nadine is a bioengineer who's in the fourth year of college here at UCSD with me. Yes, yes, yes. Go Tritons or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and she wants to go to medical. So what should she do? Um, the first thing and the most important lesson for you guys who are changing careers or changing majors to go the pre-med pathway is that you guys need to, at all times, every single student, whether you're planning on medical school or not, you should always strive to have the highest grades possible. Too often, students think to themselves, oh, if I graduate, that's sufficient. That's enough. And what happens is they don't recognize the power of GPA, right? Both to hold you down and also to lift you up and to create opportunities for yourself. So why not, if you're gonna be in school anyway, a, why not learn for the sake of learning to learn as much as you can to be there and use those four plus years to actually have information that you can use to create the life you want, to have a career, to be successful? Why would you want to waste time and money in college and not actually learn? The second thing is if you're going to be there and you're going to be learning, why not learn and then do well? Because when you do well, it creates opportunities. So for example, scholarships have GPA requirements programs have GPA requirements. And then also when you're applying, if you want to go to graduate school, whether you're planning on going to graduate school, even as engineers, you can go get a master's degree in engineering. You can advance your training. They want to see that GPA. Or if you happen to switch and want to go to medical school. Lastly, jobs sometimes. If you can say, oh, I graduated magna cum laude, that's impressive to a job and will set you apart when it comes time to getting your foot in the door and advancing. So you want to show your proficiency that you can deliver, that you are a great student. So it creates opportunities. The other thing is, is that when your grades are poor, it closes off opportunities. It closes off doors. The number one question I get from pre-meds is about low GPA. I got a low GPA. How do I get in? What do I do? Ah, right. These low GPAs. And the, the problem with low GPAs is however long it took you to make that GPA, it's going to take you about that time to really improve it and make significant changes. So if you haven't taken the time to get your GPA right and invest in that GPA, it's always kind of like this big hurdle for people to get into medical school. It's like, oh, man, my, everything else is great, but my GPA is terrible. And it's like, man, well, that's going to take you years to repair. MCAT, you can improve quickly, as quickly as you can improve in a year, but the GPA takes a long time. So if you guys are in college or you're in any career, and it may not be that your GPA is important, Get the GPA anyway because it keeps doors open. It keeps opportunities. So get the grades. Grades matter in life. So get them. That's the first thing I'll say. The second thing here is if you are changing, you're in college and you decide you want to become pre-med. A big kind of mistake that people make is they assume they must change their major to bio or to chemistry or to even now schools are offering pre-med majors, which is crazy to me. But People are switching to these majors thinking they have to do it. And the problem with switching your major is that oftentimes it negates the hard work you've done elsewhere and makes it so that you have to take extra classes. You have to stay extra long and adds extra workload onto you. Instead, what you should be trying to do is see, well, wait, I picked this major because I really liked it. Is there a, an, any overlap between the classes I've taken and what I have going forward? Does that make sense to everybody?
right? What is the overlap? What can I use? What have I already developed in terms of my resume, my uh, GPA that I can apply across to the prerequisites for medical school? Because that's really all the major does for you, right? It's all about getting the prerequisites for medical school. Everything else is extra. And the prerequisites aren't extensive. So ask yourself, do you really need to change your major? And by keeping your major exotic, like bioengineering, that's an opportunity to embrace the first D of the two Ds of medical school I talked about in episode two, right? Being distinct, being distinguished. So check that out if you haven't already seen that. But that first D of being distinct, being different. Medical schools want people who are different, who have diverse experiences and backgrounds because it rounds out their class so that everyone is not the same. Having a unique academic experience, a unique educational background is something that can round out the class, especially when it's something like bioengineering, because why, guys? It has direct medical implications. When you say bioengineering, well, even before that, when you say bioengineering, people immediately assume smart, intelligent, critical thinker. Are those things that you would value in your doctor? Smart, right? Intelligent, critical thinking. You want those things. So it has a really good connotation. So for that reason, I would stay in bioengineering. The second thing is, is it has a medical edge to it in that it's bioengineering and that's hot right now, particularly uh, medicine, right? We're in the age of innovation, but it allows you to bring a unique expertise that can be applied to medicine to enhance your clinical training and make you a more impactful, a more well-rounded physician. So that is great. The third aspect is, is it truly does enhance what you can do with your medical degree. Because if you now have the clinical knowledge and you come in with bioengineering knowledge, then you can be in device development. And that pays very well and also allows you to make tremendous impact. When you look at, so recently I had a patient come in with one of these, and I was like, man, this is incredible. Previously, people who were diabetic, they had to stick themselves with, with a, a needle in their finger all the time and check their blood sugar and check their blood sugar and check their blood sugar. Well, our bioengineers out here have created a device now that gets implanted in the skin and that checks their sugar all the time and then sends that reading to their cell phone so they can know exactly what their sugar is and they don't have to destroy the tips of their fingers. So it's phenomenal, right? But that's the engineering tie-in. So now if you are a physician, you have that clinical skills and you also have the engineering skills, you can go into device development and you can make massive impact like that that changes people's lives, which is great. But then the other side of it is that you can also create a lucrative career. And one of the reasons that physicians are so unhappy these days is because they're out of control of their careers and of their clinical practice. They got into medicine to be around patients, to treat patients, right? <laughs> so what their frustration is, they end up doing a lot of paperwork and they end up doing all this stuff for reduced wages, for the wages that they don't feel are adequate for their compensation. So now imagine if you had the leverage to say, well, listen, I run a research lab or I do device development, you can negotiate for salary slash supplement your salary to make your life better. Actually, we had one a student from my medical school from Stanford who was in medical school, was a bioengineer, and then during his, his medical school training, he went to an event, talked to some people, and he got patched in with Google. So he actually stepped out of medical school, started working for Google as a bioengineer, and then uh, in that process, he got to work on Google Glasses, which now kind of is not so hot, but there were major medical implications for Google Glasses, and so he was working on that project, and it was hilarious because he actually, to this day, I don't even think he's finished uh, finished medical school, 
but he would pull up to the medical school every once in a while to come to something and he'd be pulling up in his Ferrari or his Lamborghini. And it was like, well, how can you do this? You're a medical student. It's like, no, I'm making amazing amounts of money as an engineer for Google. So there are lots of benefits to keeping your bioengineering training in your pocket in ways that can be leveraged within the industry of medicine. As well as if you're gonna be writing your personal statement, you can talk about that and how you wanna make that impact. And, and you can talk about the devices that have changed people's lives, that have revolutionized medicine. You can be a part of that. So that's the second thing. Everybody still with me? <laughs> All right, so the third thing is prerequisite overlap. So now we talked about actual your training and how that plays into medicine, but let's talk about prerequisites. The prerequisites for medical school people act like it's so complicated. Like, what a class do I need to take? Guys, it's so basic to know what you have to take to get into medical school. The standard is just the basic five. Biology, one year. Two years of chemistry, one of just general chemistry sequence. The second year is organic chemistry. Third is a year of physics. Fourth is a math requirement. It tends to be very basic math, right? The math that we all take, so most people fulfill that anyway and then a year of English or equivalent studies, right? So you have to take some humanity stuff so they know you know how to actually write and express yourself because that's a big part of being a physician. And then the one that has kind of increased in popularity or in significance importance is biochemistry recently. And what's interesting is I was a biochemistry major in college and I felt like it really helped me for the MCAT and also helped me in medical school because biochemistry really is the science of life, right? Biology is kind of like, a lot of stuff you study, you study like animals and, and plants and photosynthesis. And there's a lot of weird stuff out there. And then on the chemistry side, there's a lot of stuff that really doesn't apply to medicine. Um, but then you get to biochemistry and that's like the bridge, right? All of our metabolism, all the reactions in our body, because we are just a series of reactions. So it's highly important. So I felt I was well prepared for the MCAT and also for medical school. With the change of the MCAT a couple of years ago to feature more biochemistry. Right, Rick, all right, 55, too late to be a pre-med? Absolutely not. I actually just posted on my Instagram uh, this morning um, a post, an email from one of my students, Todd, uh, who made the change also at 55. He's a retired businessman who wants to go and get into medical school, and it's never too late, guys, never too late. So prerequisites. So understanding that, uh, that biochemistry is a plus or minus. A lot of schools recommend it because it's going to help you on your MCAT. But also, what I always try to say about, like, the classes that are recommended, that aren't required or recommended, what's the downside to taking those classes? What's the downside to taking a biochemistry class? What's the downside to taking a physiology class? What's the downside to taking an immunology class? What's the downside to taking these classes? Nothing, right? I mean, assuming you know how to study, right? And, and that's that should be a prerequisite for medical school, <laughs> that you know how to study. If you guys don't know how to study, I encourage you, get to my website, studenttransformation.com, and actually I'll put a link in the box below directly to it, but I have a, a studying program that will change your life. It's called the Five Pillars of Studying Less and Getting Better Grades that teaches you to be an independent, confident student so that you can dominate any class at any level. It's the same system I use to dominate college, grad school, and medical school, and students have been taking it, have been getting their A's, and have been doing it in less time. So I highly encourage you to click below and check that out because um, it will change your studying. But you should know how to study. But assuming you know how to study, what is the downside of taking some extra classes? These become opportunities to improve your science load. So when medical schools evaluate your GPA, they're looking at not just the grades you get, but the context in which you get those grades. 
So did you get straight A's, but you took one class a semester? Or did you get straight A's and you took three classes every semester? Who do you think is going to get the nod to get into medical school? Who do you think? Right? It's going to be the person who took three classes every semester and still got the A. It's why medical schools ask you about your disadvantage status, because if you had to take care of your parents, you had to work full time and you got A's, that's more impressive than someone who only got A's. So people often are like, why do they care about disadvantage? They care about it because that means that you were spread across multiple things and you still got the job done. So by taking more science classes, it gives you the opportunity of taking these other non-required classes. It gives you an opportunity to stack your science classes on top of each other and show them that you can handle not just a heavy class load, but a heavy science class load. Since medical school is pretty much all science, showing them that you can take two, three, four science classes all at the same time and get A's, right? This is the power of postbacks. It shows them that you are ready to handle the academic load in medical school. So these classes give you that opportunity. It's also an opportunity to improve your science GPA. Oftentimes people's science GPA is anchored down by the first year where you're taking biology and chemistry plus some humanities. You're an immature student. I, I know what this is, right? I was told right at the end of my first year that I would never get into medical school by my counselor because I was terrible. I failed the class, all these things. And the reason was, it wasn't that I was, it was so hard. It was that I was, it was a new environment. And in any new environment, it takes time to adjust, to adapt, to recognize what you need to do to be successful. I was staying up late, I was partying, I was doing all those kind of things, and I wasn't committing myself to the studying. Additionally, the learning is different in college compared to high school where you have to be much more independent. So all that stuff created challenges for me. And early on, right, we're taking two, we're taking right half, essentially half of our prerequisites that first year. So if you're not prepared, you can anchor your GPA. As you move through your college career, you will mature, you'll be a better student, right? You guys can testify to this, my older students are on here. You're a different student now than you were first year, right? As a senior compared to a freshman. So why would you not wanna take those science classes now that you've matured and you're ready to get A's, take those additional classes and improve that science GPA, which tends to drag people's GPA down. Also, by taking these classes, in medical school, you're gonna to have to know biochemistry, anatomy, physiology, immunology, histology, all of these weird things, right? All these high level sciences. Why would you not wanna get a jump start on that and start developing your fund of knowledge, which is a, a, a concept, a term you're gonna hear a lot in medical school is they're concerned, how is their fund of knowledge? Is their fund of knowledge strong or is it weak? Wouldn't it be great if you started already developing your fund of knowledge before you got to medical school? Then you don't have to worry about having bumps in the road early on when they're covering topics and everyone else has seen it and you've never seen it. You don't have to worry as much about how strong your fund of knowledge is going to be because you've already got some something going. So you're not starting from square one. So I think it's an opportunity to get a jump start on stuff you're already going to have to know. So do it. In this case, Nadine has identified that she still needs to take organic chemistry and uh, biochemistry. One of the big mistakes I see people make when they change into pre-med late and they want to pick up their prerequisites is that they overload themselves. So either they're already taking a bunch of classes for their current major, and so they just try to add the pre-med prerequisites on top of that, and it becomes too heavy of a workload, and their prerequisite grades end up being just mediocre. And mediocre, you guys should know, is not acceptable for medical schools, so if your prerequisites are all 
B's and C's, that's not going to look great to medical schools because they look at those grades very seriously because that's the point, the point of comparison across other pre-meds. The other way I see students mess up or people mess up is that they have a career. So like Rick here, who's, who's 55, maybe you're older, maybe you have a family to support, maybe you work full time. And I actually had a student who was working full time as a banker and then also trying to accumulate prerequisites. And I was very clear with her, like, listen, you work full time. You're going to be competing against students who don't work at all. You're at a disadvantage. So take it slow with these prerequisites. Too often people think, well, I'm working full time. I got my kids. I got this. All that. I'm just going to add on college and it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, no, you've got to take your time and really plan out how you're going to be able to, right? You're only so much of a person, right? You don't want to spread yourself too thin. How are you going to be able to allocate your time, your energy, your resources in a way that's going to allow you to be successful because you need A's. You want A's on these prerequisites, especially if you're switching late because these are the last grades they're going to see about you. And so by getting A's in them, you are establishing that upward trend. You are establishing that you are a strong student currently as you enter medical school. It goes a long way. But if you have a bunch of mediocre grades right before you apply, that is not something medical schools are going to want to see, especially since you're supposed to be taking your grades seriously at that point. So don't make that mistake. In this case, it's just OCHEM and BioCHEM. Nadine's currently a student, I'm assuming uh, she may not be working, working full time. So with those, as long as her current schedule allows it, it's okay to take OCHEM and BioCHEM concurrently, but I wouldn't take OCHEM, BioCHEM, an engineering class, and another class, like, that's a lot. So put yourself in a position to get the A because the A is what matters. Don't rush the process. Don't load your schedule up because it's like, oh, it's a mad dash to get there. Instead, take your time and get it done right. Everyone hear what I'm saying right now? My non-traditionals, my older students, my people who are changing their major, what is this all about, right? So thing number four that you should consider is that you need to think before you move. Think before you move. Something my parents always told me back in the day. Never move without thinking. Think before you move. Think before you move. Malia, we're going to get to your question in a second. Think before you move. It would be irresponsible, knowing how competitive med school is, for you just to say, oh, I'm going to go to medical school, so I'm just going to start taking classes, I'm going to start doing that. Think before you move and make a plan that's going to be successful for you and that's going to be efficient for you getting to medical school. Because if you start making moves, start signing yourself up for stuff, it can sometimes trap you in a predicament that you didn't want to be in. It can sometimes put you into a space where you're trapped, not actually working yourself towards medical school. Right? And the example of this is there was a student who had started a master's program. I, I heard from them after they had already done this, but they were, they had graduated already from undergrad. They needed science class prerequisites. They enrolled in a master's of science program thinking that those science classes would be able to substitute for the, the science requirements. They recognized halfway through the two-year program that all the classes they were taking were graduate school level courses and wouldn't actually count for the prerequisites that medical schools want to see. They wanted to leave that master's program, but they would be on the hook for all the extra tuition. Plus, they already dropped crazy tuition for the first year. Additionally, they were concerned 
right? This is why they emailed me about how medical schools would look at a partially completed master's degree. And what I said was, you know what? It's hard to say exactly how every school is going to look at that. But if you put yourself in the shoes of medical schools, do you think that someone who drops out of a master's program for whatever the reason might be, maybe, but if you can't say I had a family member get ill, if you can't say something like that, if you say, oh, listen, it was a bad mistake. I enrolled, didn't really want it, right? That's not going to go over well with medical schools. So I advise to finish the master's, finish what you start. And so I want all you guys to learn from that lesson and recognize that's tens of thousands of dollars and two years of this woman's life, she will never get back because she didn't look at it and evaluate it and get informed before she made moves, right? The other example that I've seen is from nurses who don't recognize that their past experience is valuable. So we're going to take a sidebar here, right, to our next point, our fifth point which is think before you move, but also assess your past experience and the value of your past experience and how it might substitute for typical pre-med extracurriculars. People sometimes make the mistake of thinking that they read on a blog post that hospital volunteering or whatever standard pre-med extracurricular is recommended that they should participate in that. And they don't recognize the value of their previous work experience or career in being a substitute for that extracurricular. And the big way I see this is that there are nurses who will go back and do hospital volunteering, who will attempt to shadow physicians in a different hospital than they work in. And I'm like, you're not taking advantage of the advantages you have. And I had one nurse who contacted me who was having a, a difficult time getting a volunteer position and she was like, yeah, you know, I know I have to do it, but it's just, you know, it's one extra thing. I'm already working full time, blah, blah, blah. And it's like she was a shift lead nurse in the step down unit, which is one level below the ICU. And I'm like, wait a minute. You've worked for multiple years as a critical care nurse and you're going to go get a hospital volunteering job. Hmm. That doesn't add up. And what I explained to her was that hospital volunteering is not mandatory. What is mandatory is that you have been in a clinical environment, you have been around physicians, you understand what that life is, and you can adequately articulate that you want that life, what the life is, and that you actually want that and your reasoning for it. So there's no reason for you to go hospital volunteer. You're clinically sound. You've been a, a critical care nurse. You're good to go with that side. And I advise her that it would be helpful if she either got a letter of recommendation from physicians that she's worked with closely, or if she ask them if she could actively shadow them to change their perspective of her. So instead of looking at her as a nurse, they look at her as a prospective candidate for medical school to be able to fill out that application or that letter of recommendation appropriately. So look for ways that you can leverage your past experience to cover so you're not going backwards, right? Like, oh, I wasn't a club president in school. Well, great, but you are the manager at a bank. So which one is better, club president or bank manager? <laughs> I've got to weigh that out. Uh, uh, Rick says, I'm a janitor with an MSW, never practice, but have a 3.7. If better, uh, have an amazing person, right? So yeah, it was a CNA for five years. Right? So there's your cardiac experience. I mean, your clinical, you said cardiac step down, clinical experience, right? So you can think about how your path, even though you weren't trying to get to medical school, there may be things that you can use to leverage towards that. Um, 
So this actually gets to I, I'll go I'll go backtrack to Malia's question here. I should probably know this, but I'm unsure. Do the course numbers for the science prereqs matter? For example, a chemistry class taken at a community college compared to a four-year university. So it's very important wherever you take classes that you verify that that class is an equivalent for AMCAS. And you can do this very easily. You can actually call a medical school. You can call AMCAS representatives. You can figure this out if things are going to qualify. Some community college class, community college science classes don't count, and some do. So you have to be very careful that you are getting the class. This is similar to what I'm talking about in the masters. You have to pick the classes that are actually going to count for your prerequisites. In terms of community college, a lot of community college science classes will count for the prerequisites because it's just basic biology, basic chemistry. But you have to make sure you do that. So if you're at a community college, a lot of people are told like they should wait to do their science classes at a university. No, you shouldn't. Go ahead and take those classes, get them out of the way to have more flexibility and also have more units when you go into the university level. So you're at a higher level than someone else who didn't take all those classes. All right. Uh, point number six is the letters of recommendation. So this is something that trips up a lot of non-traditional students, a lot of students who are career changers, major changers who are going to pre-med late, is the letters of recommendation. The first thing you should know is that your letters of recommendation don't all have to come from doctors, don't have to all come from professors. You can use your boss at wherever you've worked as long as they can speak to characteristics about you that would appeal to medical school. Are you responsible? Are you professional? Are you courteous? Are you empathetic? If they can speak to those things and talk about you in a favorable light, those letters can be powerful. In my case, I worked in consulting, not medically related necessarily, and I used a letter of recommendation from my boss in consulting because they were a person who was articulate and who liked me and could talk about me favorably to medical schools. So don't think you can't use your outside letter of recommendations to do that. The other second point that you need to know is that you will need a science professor letter of recommendation. And what's interesting, I think medical schools were listening to me be strategic with my students, telling them that they should not get a letter of recommendation from their science lecturer. Instead, we look for substitutes for those letters um, because they're weak letters, right? They say, oh, listen, such and such was in my class. They took the class. They got the grade, yada, 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 right? But now medical schools, many of them are spelling out specifically, you must have a letter from a science professor who taught you. In the case of someone who's a career changer, you may not have access because you may have been to school a while ago, or you may not have taken those science classes. So you have to be proactive about getting that letter of recommendation. So as you go into your prerequisite classes, you're trying to take these prerequisites, make sure now, right, you're going back, maybe you're taking, in this case, biochemistry and OCHEM, make sure you take the time to not just get good grades in the class, but to also make contact with that professor. So that way that professor gets to know you and they can write you a letter of recommendation. Because how terrible is it when you guys get the A in a class and then the professor says, well, uh, yes, you got an A, but I never saw you at office hours. I don't know you well enough to write a letter of recommendation for you. So you don't want to have that situation. So be proactive about making contact with your professors. The last thing I will say about this topic is that if you are considering changing careers and becoming a pre-med and becoming a doctor and going into medicine, please make sure you are doing it for the right reasons. Many times people become disillusioned in their current path. It's not fun to them. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of grinding. They're not advancing like they want to. And so they think, oh, if I become a doctor, that'll be fun. 
it's all glamour, white coat, people like praising you and respecting you. And you know what I mean? You're, you're working in the hospitals, fast paced, you're Gray's Anatomy, you're pumping the heart with your bare hand, right? And it's all excitement. And they forget about what it takes to become a physician and to stay a physician. Pre-med is a grind, it's competitive. Medical school is overwhelming at points, right? It's long and arduous. You're at the bottom of the totem pole trying to impress people who have, who are where you want to be and who know so much more than you. Then you figure out medical school and then it's time to transition to now you got your MD, you are a doctor, and now you're an intern. And you're like, man, I did great in clinicals. I'm so expert. I take care of patients. And then you get into intern year and you recognize, oh my gosh, I'm used to taking care of one patient or two patients. Now I'm taking care of 10 patients or overnight I'm taking care of 80 patients on the service. And your level steps up and it becomes hard and difficult and people are judging you and you're sleep deprived and then you do your internship like i did in medicine and you feel confident there and then you switch over to anesthesia for your actual residency and it's an entirely new set of skills and on my first day like this is this is the example of how stressful medical training is on my first day as an anesthesia resident i was so worried about all the things i had to do to keep the patient alive that i was so focused i like went to pick the patient up in pre-op and i was like okay whew, all right, this patient, how's their airway? Oh my gosh, are they hydrated? Have they eaten? Like, what? Oh, and I'm like, worried about all these things. And I go to push the patient into, like out of the PACU area, the pre-op area, into the operating room. And I forgot to unplug the bed from the wall, first of all. So the cord came whipping, like it's a retractable cord. It came like whipping out of the socket, or wham, and hit the bed. And then I forgot to check if my IV, right, the bag of IV and the, and the, and the IV uh, cable was actually appropriately on the bed it was not it was actually hooked around the standing table there and so when i pushed the bed away the cord was stuck the iv tubing was stuck on the table and it pulled the iv cable out of the bag and so the bag was hanging above the patient and the bag opened up and wet my entire patient so all the saline completely douses my patient that's the first <laughs> encounter this patient had with me in the first five minutes wham and then completely soaking wet because i was so stressed out about the science you forget wait a minute i also have to know all the things i got to check that the patient's hands and feet are inside the bed that the cord is clear that the iv is there that the iv works that there is a fresh bag do i have adequate iv access there's all these little things that you have to learn as a uh even as a physician during residency as you're training so it's very important that you guys understand it's a very stressful journey. And then even once you're a physician, there are stresses. It's not always exciting. There is a lot of paperwork. There are times where patients aren't thankful, where patients will actively fight you for what is the evidence-based treatment, where their families will fight you, where you did everything you could to save this patient who came in after a heart attack, after a gunshot wound, and the family, you're the person they see as that was supposed to save their family member, and they're angry at you. They're yelling at you. Why didn't you save our son? He was five years old. Why didn't you save him? What? The... And you have to take it because they're grieving. And so there's a lot of downsides to it. So it's important you understand that there are stresses to it. It isn't all glamour. Um, but at the end of the day, if you get into the right reasons and you want to help people, you want to be there and you like the stress, you like the intensity, you like having people's hands in your lives, then it is a great field to be in. But make sure that you're changing, not because you're like, my career is too hard, I want something easier, because physician them, that's not the route. <laughs> it is not easier. <laughs> it is not easier. So I just, 
encourage all you guys to think about that um, as you make this switch. Was this helpful? Let me know. My people who are on live with me right now, comment. Let me know if this is helpful to you. If you're watching this after the fact on the podcast, let me know. If this was helpful, comment. Let me know that I've created some perspective for you and helped you get closer, right, to that med school dream. Because that's what I'm here for. This is all about you guys and getting you guys to your success, to your white coat in the medical school. I'm Dr. Andre Pineset. I am the study doc. I want to thank you guys for being here with me. Take the time if you enjoyed this to subscribe so you can get more of this. Uh, we'll have lots of content coming out. Like I've always said, right, I'm on a mission to empower 1 million students and to be the voice the person who's here so that people know there's someone that wants them to succeed, someone that's here to give them quality advice they can count on and give them the truth and give it to them raw and real. Um, that's what I'm here for. And if you guys like what you heard today, you're going to love what you see at my website. It's studenttransformation.com. Get over there, get into a course, get into a program, get your life changed, guys. I have a course called How to Dominate Pre-Med that breaks down everything you need to know about pre-med. It's there. It will change your life. So get there, check that out. And if you want to be featured like Nadine was today, so thank you, Nadine, for submitting your question, get over to my website, studenttransformation.com, click on leave me a voicemail, and send me a voicemail. And I'll answer your question just like this in detail, telling you everything you need to know to be successful with that question. I thank you guys for joining me. I will see you guys next time. And how do we always close? What do we say? What do we say? No excuses, just dominate, guys. No matter the obstacle, no matter the barrier, we will succeed and not just get by, we will thrive, we will dominate. No excuses, just dominate. I'm Dr. Andre Pintet and I'm out, y'all. Today is the day, guys. No more excuses, no more complaining. You're going to take your future in your own hands. You're going to dominate, you're going to be successful. Get to my website, studenttransformation.com. I challenge you. What are you going to do today to make your life better?